welcome back to Feedback Loop. I'm I'm Joey. And I'm Jeremy. And I stuttered there because <laughs> I, I am shuddering at the thought of what Jeremy's about to say <laughs> about this album this week. But Joey, uh, the, Joey's built up so much anticipation for this. I'm freaking out, man. The <laughs> album in question that we have been listening to is uh, Love Songs for the Apocalypse by Johnny Hobo and the Freight Trains. Indeed. I have I have listened to that album, which he states that we have listened to. Man, I hope so. It was only like 25 minutes long. It, it was very, very brief. So hopefully this episode will be brief. I also post on Facebook, sharing what this week's is supposed to be. This is I promised the people that this week would be shorter. But uh, according, according to what I heard earlier, maybe that's not going to be the case. <laughs> I'll try to keep it the case. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Uh, so this is, this is a band that's close to you, right? Not like in relation yeah, or no. proximity, but like emotionally, I guess. Yeah. More specifically, the kind of front man, like guitar player, singer, Pat the Bunny. Um, there's just a lot of his music you can hear kind of his personal journey through music and it's not necessarily an exact one-to-one for like any sort of character arc in my life but uh right th- i've i've you see had... yourself in some of it yeah definitely but yeah so this is where we're starting at least for pat the bunny yeah this is technically the third episode of of this kind of folk punk thing going on but uh this is the first of the sub journey i suppose that's yeah. Pat the Bunny. Yeah. So theoretically, the next two weeks will also be Pat the Bunny or his associated bands. Yeah, I mean, we're we're just gonna ride this uh, Johnny Hobo train, this Pat the Bunny train, all the way like a really fucking long time. And I'm sure Jeremy's gonna jump off some point. It, <laughs> it may be out in the desert, out in New Mexico, singing like New Mexico songs or something. That would mean that I enjoyed the track number one on this album, New Mexico song. If no, I was you... going to, if I was going to sing it. See, you wouldn't sing this one. You would say, hey, I hate this so much, I'm going to write a new New Mexico song. A new, song. a better version. <laughs> yeah. This one's New Mexico song version 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Good segue. Good segue. I, I was I was thinking you were going to tie in the freight train as well, but it was just the train. We're taking a train through New Mexico. I should have, but you it's, know. It doesn't matter. Track number one. So, <laughs> here's <laughs> here's the, the big reveal. I wasn't completely certain what to expect from this album. I was not expecting harmonica, which which is which is fairly prominent in this album. Yep. Uh, I actually don't hate this. I don't hate this guy's voice oh. at all, and I'm not sure if it's just because I've been exposed for the past two weeks to other music of this type, but I think it fits fits really well. I, I like his kind of his vocals in this. I like the kind of the group shouting along with him. It sounds like this whole album was kind of like played on his back porch or something with a bunch of friends just kind of like rocking out with him which is it's a cool vibe yeah that's how a lot of his music is i mean like there's other bands that he has where i think the total lineup is like 20 people just because (laughs) most of his music is made as kind of just like jams like he does a lot of shows has always done a lot of shows just by himself playing all this music but whenever he gets the chance to like record it's just like all of his friends who know how to play music are stopping by to like do backup vocals or trumpet or harmonica or plenty of different instruments. So there's trumpet on this album as well. There's like, there's three instruments on this album, (laughs) not, not including various percussion noises. Yeah. There's the the acoustic guitar, the trumpet and the harmonica. Is he playing the harmonica himself or does he have a friend that plays harmonica? Do you know? 
I'm fairly certain. I mean, I know he plays the harmonica, but I think from what I've seen of this time period, I think somebody else is playing the harmonica. Gotcha. That that makes sense. I I didn't have anything enlightening to say one or the <laughs> other, but yeah, it, I think I think it blends really well. I think this is in a better direction for me than the prior two albums. Mischief oh. Brew is like the bottom of the barrel for me. I think right now, mm-hmm. AJJ was a step in a better direction and this kind of pivots off so there's there's some things that i think i prefer about knife man Mm -hmm. but i think overall this is in a better place and i'm I'm curious to see the direction that this goes i'm excited to have this go in a direction so um (laughs) (laughs) i I was i was messing with joey prior to to it and i asked him if he had an album ready for next week he said yeah and then, and then we were talking as if I also picked an album just in case I really hated this, that we would just stop this journey <laughs> in the middle and, and go and listen to something that I wanted to listen to. But that's not the case. I'm well, not, I'm, I'm not ever going to be, be that guy. Well, that's good. And I'm glad you like him. I guess he's, he's kind of like, so as far as folk punk goes, it's like a whole, especially this DIY portion of it. They're like the people who make this music, I feel like out of all of them, Pat the Bunny is kind of the the most known. He's kind of like the front man of folk punk. Like he's usually a lot of people's intro to it. And uh, it's, he just kind of encapsulates everything that I like about it all into one person who can make great bands and have great sounds with them. I'm not going to say I'm a fan of him as a person. Yeah. Uh, wait, I definitely have, have thoughts on his lyrics throughout this album that I, that I don't necessarily agree with, but I I do prefer this album to the prior two albums at the very least. That is completely understandable. And by the, by the end of this episode, and especially by the end of this journey, it, it, it'll make sense. I mean, he will just say he was a way different person whenever he, maybe not way different, but he was a pretty different person when he wrote all of this music. He's grown up. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of lyrics, though, I, I noted the first note on lyrics is, man, I think this is my kind of folk punk. So, so that's that's some pretty high praise, right? Yeah, that is this, some this huge is, praise. This feels like we're going in the right direction. But this song is just about, like, sitting on a curb, smoking a cigarette, and, and dreaming of being, quote-unquote, truly free and not a part of some system. It's kind of like tropey punk stuff with rebelling against the man, but it's very, like, it, it feels rational and, and like, self-aware. In yeah. some way that that wasn't the kind of naive anarchism that we got with like mischief brew and stuff, but it is in a similar direction. Obviously, being punk, that's kind of that's kind of what they sing about. I this song to me, I think lines up perfectly with what you want from life, as like you Joey want from life, <laughs> or at least what you dreamed of when you were younger. Yeah, and I certainly don't. I don't fault you for that at all. This, <laughs> this is, it's a cool song. It's got cool like dreamy vibes that that just feel good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because this is like, this is the first song by Pat the Bunny I ever heard. So it's... And it was, from, from then on, your life was drastically changed. It really was. You, you became Pat the Bunny. Yeah, I wish. Maybe maybe I don't wish. He's 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 been through some shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wish I could start from right here and go forward. But uh, so I didn't hear this music until 
may, a little bit later in life. Like I think I was like 19, maybe and, later in life at yeah, 19, <laughs> later in the life that I have lived so far, I guess. Um, I'm going to regret hearing, I'm going to hear that when I'm like 60 and be like, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> but so I, I had already lived a decent amount of my like teenage years and everything. And this song, it, like I caught it at the tail end of those feelings at the tail end of this experience that I had. And I feel it was something that really helped me indulge in those feelings of wanting to figure out the world, wanting to figure out what I want out of it and kind of rejecting society, what I had been brought up believing, like not needing to be seen as somebody of status by the majority of society Mm -hmm. and letting go of what I view, what, what I view as unhealthy that was drilled into my head since like childhood and not needing to not needing to be seen as respectable by people who do nothing to earn my respect in return. Like just kind of the random people who they're like, Oh, you want to look good? Like you dress up and do whatever the man. Yeah. Fuck the man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll definitely fuck the man, but it's yeah. It was just kind of like, it really encapsulated the feeling that I feel like I couldn't put, put my finger on throughout a lot of my, coming of age and then i heard this and it was it just instantly clicked and i was just like yes this is this is what i need to hear right now yeah i think i think i had a similar obviously not the exact same experience you had but like i i definitely felt like something clicked in my head when when i listened to this this week not when i was 19 (laughs) but like i I don't know there, there is a quality to it that is distinct and it, it has that kind of, it's almost, it's, it's so weird to think of it like this, but I feel this album specifically in the song, even like as a sort of nostalgia for your life (laughs) in, in many ways, it's like it, this is in so many ways, the epitome of what I've always called quote unquote, Joey music. And that like, normally when i say that it's an insult kind of Mm -hmm. a thing but in this it just like it perfectly describes what i know joey to be as a person (laughs) in so many ways that i'm just like man this this makes perfect sense that that this is an album that joey likes so much yeah man it and just, I like you as a person. Well, we we are very good friends. So <laughs> in, by by some weird extension, you could say you could argue that I really really like this album. Well, that's just you know, that makes me very happy. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I am yeah, filled with we, feelings we can, of. We're droning on a whole lot. Well, okay, yeah. I'll 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 move after <laughs> after I talk about the fact that I just reread some of the lyrics, like just. In the chorus, he's talk. He's saying, "I'll be waiting in this parking lot, and in my dreams, I'm dirty, broke, beautiful, and free," which is just like a feeling that I felt a lot when I'm like scrounging or looking back on my life, like scrounging yeah. for quarters in my car to buy like cigarettes, and I'm just like in a parking lot, and I have nowhere to be, and I'm just like, "This is, I'm completely at peace." And then the next, another line: "We aren't revolutionaries, but we are the revolution." I feel like is a really hard-hitting line just of the fact that like it's the people who have the power and not Mm -hmm. like the revolutionaries who go off and spend all their time studying about social change and everything it's the people actually getting out there and doing it who are the people making the change even like in this case i mean granted i don't know pat the bunny i don't know if he is an activist of sorts 
and and that he's like actually taking action on anything but even without that i feel like saying we aren't revolutionaries but we are the revolution is just kind of like it's it's power by inaction as well i think to some degree and that like like you were saying it the, the power belongs to the people and if the people aren't taking action that in itself is an action yeah i suppose they're choosing not to do things or they're choosing to do things in such a way and and that's that's kind of how i took it as the people that are like pat the bunny or at least what i've gathered from this album that were like pat the bunny the nobodies right the the lower messy carefree people by not partaking in the system is kind of changing the system yeah that's i feel like that's like the whole movement that he kind of wasn't i mean i know he was an activist he was like running a distro of like i guess magazines that like taught the ideals that he followed at least at the time where he was like promoting other people's music who were also writing stuff similar to him so he was kind of doing that i think he did i mean he was an activist in like i guess the normal sense but i think a lot of what he did was just kind of use his ability to make music and connect with people to like spread ideals which seems kind of cool. kind of hypocritical to something that comes up later on the album that i'll talk about i mean okay we'll, we'll get there when we get there <laughs> maybe he'll be condemned and we'll sing a hymn for him it'll be the church hymn for the condemned nailed it that's a good that's a good sound i never said it out loud but hearing you say it church hymn for the condemned it kind of yeah has a nice flow to it it's that's track number nice. two yeah by the way we're, we are moving on because we don't want this to be a two-hour episode. Yeah, and Joey's written a lot, and I'm I I don't want to make you rush through this at all. By the way, I'm very curious because it's so personal to you. Like it's it's kind of like learning about you while learning about the music. So I I encourage you to take all the time you fucking want and make me a liar. I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I'll do that. Uh, so this one, I guess I'll take the music here because we're 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 gonna run into a problem here whenever oh. talking about the music. Not not because it's bad, but because I think at a certain point we're going to run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. By by like track four, the rest I have no notes on music at all. <laughs> yeah, this one it introduces the trumpet, so there was the harmonica yeah. in the first track. This one brings in the addition of a of a trumpet, and uh, this one I started to notice something. The background vocalist behind Pat, it was kind of weird because I used to just listen on like shitty headphones, car stereos, mm-hmm. like. I didn't have great sound quality. And then listening to this so many times over the past week, you can hear somebody singing behind him. And there's certain parts where I can make out the fact that they don't know all the lyrics. Yeah. So the, the guy's kind of just like, nah, nah, nah. but we are the revolution. Like, yeah. He's just that, kinda... That's what, it, that's what I was saying about the kind of feel of like, he's just like playing in a barn somewhere and he has like a bunch of friends over and they all know the lyrics. So they're just chiming in every now and then. And and I also noted the the vocal melody on this. I didn't pay attention to the fact that they didn't know the lyrics, but <laughs> I, I like the sound of having that kind of melody happening. The, the vocal kind of harmony, I guess it's not really harmony, but well, I guess technically it is. If the same notes being played, it's still harmonizing with itself. But regardless, I like the kind of layered vocal aspect of it, and the rhythm is kind of like reinforced by the guitar. He has like a very like interesting rhythmic style of singing that that I think I kind of enjoy. Uh, the trumpet, it, it's here. It's super simple. It's a little rough, but I think that <laughs> kind of fits it perfectly. That kind of like captures the, the the rest of the feeling of this album. Also, one one last note at the end, he he shouts "Hail Satan," yeah. which we we talked a little bit about on Mischief Fruit because he did a similar thing. 
Yep. Uh, it might be a forced thing, like I complained about on the Mischief Brew episode, but I feel like it fits better here. And that, like, this whole album kind of has that feeling to it. This this song and this album really, to me, feels like what Mischief Brew wanted to be. Which yeah. in itself is kind of an insult because punk isn't really supposed to be like anything necessarily, but that's just kind of what it feels. This feels like what Mischief Brew was striving to achieve. Yeah, and I think it's something that you can only get, like, it's kind of like la- lightning trapped in a bottle. I mean, you can only get it. I'm sure these recording sessions, the Hail Satan part, I'm sure it was planned, but I think it was planned out of like, oh, we're all in this recording studio. We're all like, we're playing a song about like shitty people running religion and stuff. So at the end, like, it's just you and your friends fucking around versus whenever you're in like a recording studio environment. trying to sound cool. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like, like Pat the Bunny and his musicians that he plays with are all they're so kind of like authentic in a way that every i mean like all the music it sounds live but it's recorded like at a recording session Mm -hmm. and but it still just sounds so raw so i feel like especially with how self-referential and like he's he's very aware of at least who the lyrics he's writing at times that i feel like He's not taking any of it too seriously, but he yeah. means what he's saying, singing at the still at the same time. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that's what really clicked is that like, like I mentioned the first track, he, he, he there is this kind of weird rational aspect of his lyrics. It's very like it's thought about. It's not as it's not just like an offhanded like repeating of something that he's heard. He's genuinely feeling these things, and and he he kind of like he's taken time to become self-aware about what that means and what the words he's saying mean. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel as hokey and tropey, I guess, as mischief brew did for me. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of warmed up to, I mean, I know it's different, but like warmed up to the idea of it. Cause yeah. whenever, especially whenever I heard the end of this, where he just yells, hell Satan. I was like, Oh, that that's kind of <laughs> like the, like the, the I'm going to hell for that one. Like it's yeah. almost even in the same, like it's talking <laughs> yeah. about like the devil or something, but yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mind it. I, I, I think just overall this album does everything better than, than the Mr. Brew album did lyrically. This one for me, I, I know you kind of mentioned the religious aspect to it. I didn't necessarily dive into that, even though like, I mean, it's called church him for the condemned and he says hell Satan at the end. Like there, there's definitely that, but I didn't really like focus on that to me this song at least on the surface level is just about kind of like loving the chaos that comes with his freedom from society's rules where it's kind of got this like punk anarchist edge but it's it's more eloquently stated than mischief brew was when he was talking about all of his anarchist stuff i really like there's a line he says nothing scares me as much as the fact that i don't give a shit for redemption Mm-hmm. And I like that because it to me it's kind of like saying that he realizes that the way he's living is so like opposed to the normal societal way, and that it is a risky choice to kind of live like that because it's it's outside of the normal bounds or whatever, and he he knows it's kind of risky, but he's also kind of saying like, well, so be it. This is this is who I am, so it's a risk I have to take. Otherwise, I'm going to hate my life, kind of a thing definitely like it's stuff like that where he's aware of both sides of what he's talking about like right that i think i connected with so much whenever i was listening to it the first time where i was like because i mean i was young i was still definitely in the midst of being 
just this crazy unhinged person that <laughs> yeah. I, that I was for a time. And, but this kind of gave me the ability to indulge in that, in that chaos, the beauty of that chaos that he's talking about where you're just, there's no plan for anything. You could any, literally anything could happen at any moment. And that's what makes it great. Nothing's exactly cookie cutter. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's, but that, that I guess difference is what makes stuff worth doing and what makes everything worth living and it's like that that ability to see both sides of it like okay it's super cool but there's also a point where it's like it's not great for you right and he's he's very aware of that and that helped me see i guess the good and the bad of the way i was living it's a very well informed statement if only i could have had uh that kind of that kind of thought whenever I was actually 19, <laughs> but it, it came, it came a little bit later, but it was sure. Good. Sure. I mean, nobody, nobody's born knowing everything. That's just part of your, your journey as a person growing up and developing who you are. Yeah. And not to mention, I mean, there is like the, the slight religious aspect where he ends both verses with talking about, I mean, not caring about redemption or anything. And he says, but that's okay. Cause if it's where Falwell goes, talking about Jerry Falwell, like a televangelist, he's like, then I don't even want any part of heaven. And then he ends the second chorus where he's talking about, that's okay. If, cause that, that that's okay. Cause if that's where Limbaugh goes, then I don't even want any part of heaven. And that was kind of a thought that I had whenever I was falling out of like religion is like, there's just so many shitty people who <laughs> do all this stuff. And they're like, like, are they the ones going to heaven? Why would it like, who wants to be there? Yeah. I mean, heaven, heaven's myth anyway, so, you know, I'm not going to yeah. go off that, that rail yet, but yeah. I'm just saying. We'll, we'll we'll stay on it all the way to the end of the line, and whenever you're tired, you know, we can pass it around, because whiskey is my kind of lullaby. Hell yeah. I, I, yeah. That's, that sounded like you were writing a song. It kind of did. Titled, Whiskey is my kind of lullaby, which is coincidentally track number three. It's already a song, but... Hell yeah. I, I think you've heard this song before. Either you have, or it was another one of our friends, Adam. Because... I don't know if I have or not. Okay, I might have. I don't know. I didn't click with any any of these songs on here that I, none of them specifically stood out as. Oh, I've heard this. Okay, so yeah. I either repressed it, which is highly likely, <laughs> or I just haven't heard it. But uh, yeah, this was got kind of like a waltzy kind of three four time, and it which is kind of it was unexpected, and so it was kind of cool in that aspect. It's got more trumpet and acoustic guitar, which by this point in the album, I'm like, yeah, I assume this is going to be the music of the album it's, yeah. it's guitar trumpet occasionally harmonica that was right one, yeah one thing i do like about his guitar is the way that he strums is very percussive so it kind yes. of takes the place of actual percussion which would almost seem out of place in music like this where it's very folky i mean it's still punk but it's very like folky and if everybody knows like most folk musicians don't have like a fucking drum kit behind them Maybe right. a cajon, but nobody, I'm sure nobody at this recording session could afford a cajon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just very, it's very cool. And I feel like for a while I tried to emulate that in my own guitar playing. Well, that also makes some sort of sense. Joe, Joey's a great guitarist, by the way. I'm going to put that on the internet. I wouldn't I go know, that far. I know Joey is, is embarrassed by his skill. He's a very good guitarist, and I recommend you listen to his music if he releases it to the public. Maybe I will one day, and then you can shit on me all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no, nah, bro. You're, you're great. You're golden. But uh, back to this album. 
that is already out and released to the public that we've been talking about. <laughs> that's what we do on this podcast, by the way. The whole point of it. The whole point of it. <laughs> Lyrically, uh, track number three. This one was is about vices, right? And namely grabbing onto those vices like drugs, cigarettes, alcohol, or whatever. And th- those vices overtaking your willingness to achieve your goals, at least is what I got out of it, where they're kind of like keeping you subdued and content while your life wastes away, preventing you from, you know, quote unquote, being somebody. And while I don't have those specific vices, like I'm not, I don't, I'm not a drug addict. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. And I, I don't, I do drink, but I'm not an alcoholic. I don't lean on alcohol for anything. I do feel that it's, it's super relatable in that like everyone has something that is that they go to to kind of keep themselves content and self-defeating where like i don't know for me video games is a big one i think and previously i've lived my life very kind of like nihilistically (laughs) i suppose thinking that the likelihood of me achieving some sort of grand feeling of success is so slim that i might as well just be happy with where i'm at and be content with where I am in life. And even if I did meet my goals, it really wouldn't matter because I'm going to die eventually. And it doesn't mean anything, which maybe it's not inherently bad necessarily to think like that, but it definitely like stymies a lot of efforts that could be spent on self-improvement and other things. And I don't know, I'm, I'm getting better at it this year specifically. I'm, I'm trying to kind of break a lot of issues that I, that I've self imposed, I suppose but I'm still kind of a negative Nancy, but yeah, I, I guess I took this and, and painted my own picture with his lyrics. I'm sure that he wasn't necessarily being as nihilistic about life. <laughs> I mean, I guess he, I, he is in some aspects. Yeah. I think, I mean, I honestly think music like this is just, I mean, all music, not just music like this, but I mean, if that's what you got out of it, that then that's what it was meant to, to do. Cause I mean, right. it, it is, that's kind of, a little bit how I took it where it was like, I more of took it from the aspect of kind of like, you don't know what you have until it's gone, but more to, I don't know. I just, the opening lyrics, I was a loner until there were no friends left. And before someone offered me drugs, you know, I was straight edge, like not being able to control yourself, thinking that you can be, as you've never been confronted with the, the experience or the offer or something and the specifically the I was a loner until there were no friends left where it's like you can have all these thoughts that you want inside the comfort of what you have and what you're comfortable comfortable with and just kind of where you live your normal life but the second that that gets taken away you realize that you only felt that way because maybe you didn't think it was possible or you could only do it on your own terms or something but it's just i guess anything can get taken to the extreme and it you never know where you're going to stand until that moment arises or until you're confronted with something that you didn't even know that you you may want i never thought i was going to smoke cigarettes and then i mean i i just did one day <laughs> like yeah. it just happened because some dude was like hey you look old could you go uh head down to that that uh i'm not i'm not gonna name a business name but that place in new <laughs> albany and oh shit <laughs> that place down the road and i know that uh they won't check your id you can buy me some black and milds and then i was like well if you give me enough for me or something just because yeah. i wanted to 
I don't know. I was like 14. I wanted to see. Yeah. Cool. You got to run game on the kids, you know? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So I got one. And then that was, that was it. It just, from there it spiraled. I mean, so hold on. You were 14 years old buying cigarettes for someone younger than you. <laughs> for someone older than me. Oh, okay. But they just weren't old enough. <laughs> they just weren't 18 yet. Gotcha. Yeah. And gotcha. I, I don't know, man. That's the year before that is where my life really went off the rails, but it just, <laughs> it, that's just where it, it was just, it all, it all went nuts. Interesting. But, yeah. yeah I, I definitely agree. I can, I can definitely see the kind of like perceived safety in your reality versus what's actual reality kind of a thing where you're, you're, where you're content with what you have and you think that that is your life. And then you experience something new that you've never experienced before. And that drastically changes how you view life. Yeah. And I mean, that's just the first, like there's definitely still for sure aspects of what you were talking about as well. Cause I, I was really, I realized I only really referenced the very first uh, verse and mm-hmm. the rest of it is talking about, I mean, drinking yourself to sleep in a ditch. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it doesn't, yeah, that's the thing that, like, I don't know, it's so hard to tell how much of his lyrics are referring to him personally versus kind of satirizing a lot of things. Because, I mean, he, he, it, at some points in this album, it seems like he's almost proud to have addictions to drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. Yeah. Which doesn't, doesn't track in my brain as like a logically sound thing to say, but again, he's punk. He's living his own way. I don't fucking and, and, know him. and that's the thing. So like he kind of did, and that was kind of just the movement that he was in. Like at this point, maybe, yeah, at this point he was like hardcore addicted to heroin he would mm-hmm. sleep he was literally just traveling from house to house he played shows for like 12 people in a bathroom at somebody's house who would let him sleep on their couch and maybe eat a sandwich or two and like give him some alcohol or something like that's yeah. he just went across the states doing that and that's just how he lived and it kind of i think it was kind of a point of pride and that's where like because i kind of felt that too like I started, I mean, I said I started like smoking and not necessarily smoking cigarettes, but I started smoking like tobacco products when I was like 14. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I had smoked other stuff, like (laughs) started that like the year before that. And I started drinking around that time as well. Like, and it's just, there were times where I was like, I felt like a veteran at age 18, whenever everybody else was like, starting their partying phase and stuff and i was like i've already been in it and it's like i'm yeah i'm moving on to whatever else and because around heroin, meth cocaine yeah, no i've never <laughs> i've never done heroin i've never done <laughs> meth i've never done i yeah i've never done coke but uh I, yeah i don't know <laughs> but it was just like i was i wore it as a badge of pride i guess is what i'll say so like i that was kind of something that i gravitated towards in this album and he is so tongue in cheek about it where it's like you can tell that he doesn't necessarily believe himself, but he's still saying it like he believes it. Yeah. And I think part of him does, but there's a part of him that knows like this, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the prior song, kind of like being self-aware of the rules of society and, and kind of acknowledging that like, yeah, I'm, 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 past the point of redemption i'm living in ways that are not good for me and i I, there's part of me that acknowledges that and 
maybe to some extent shames me for that but there's all there's a larger part that just doesn't give a fuck anymore yeah man what what a good good album for me <laughs> it is interesting so you so you haven't done let's just go through all the drugs <laughs> here you haven't done meth heroin cocaine what about acid have you ever been been on acid and, and written an acid song i have written an acid song before but I wasn't on acid when I did it. So. Was it was it track number four on this album? It was. I wish it could be half as good as track number four <laughs> on this album. Acid song. I, I, I was not actually trying to figure out if you've done acid. It was just a segue. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. What kind of accusations are you making, Jeremy? <laughs> track number four, acid song. Music is. It's the music. This one has the the harmonica comes back, but then the trumpet's still there. But it's pretty much you you know what you're getting into at this point for me at least yeah this one the only real thing i had to talk about was just like i really like the ferocity in pat's voice here it's uh it's just super cool i mean he does the same harsh sounding vocals in every song but like there's somewhere you can just feel that he brings it more yeah and this is one of those as well i agree he's he's a very emotive person with his voice and i think it lends itself well to the the, the music like corbin kind of like corbin yeah <laughs> in, in a different way uh well i guess since we have literally nothing to talk about when it comes to music um lyrically this one is i mean it's more kind of against the society but it's more toward i feel like this one takes more of a religious stance because i mean it starts off well, if I found God anywhere, it would, by, it would be by the tracks, face down in a boxcar, 40 in both hands. And he, I'll just, and when I find God there, we'll just sit and roll some top, which is a brand of tobacco. It, it's, you have to roll it yourself. And he says, cause he'll be just as confused, just as confused as anyone else on this rock. And that kind of like, that always hit me. Cause it was like, I don't know, being a person who was outside of religion, who was well familiar with religion, but was outside of it at this point in my life. It was a thought that I had had where it's like, shit, if there was a God and he had to like, see, he had to see, yeah, see the yeah. world he's created. He, he dude, dude would be getting fucking plastered out every day. He yeah, just would not be able to deal with a mistake. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a mistake. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much hundred percent that what I, what I got from the songs and he's just like, he's talking about how life is futile and how the world's just fucking awful and that it's God's fault. And that God fucked up making us because of what we've done with our sentient gift kind of a thing. And it, it, he also kind of like, I don't know. Th- this is the first point in the album where I was like, man, he really just, he has issues. Speaking, yeah. speaking of, of Pat the Bunny, where he, he just like, it's very clear throughout this album that he could not get his shit together. And he, it to me at least, from my ivory tower perhaps, it, it seemed like he was just ready to blame other people and blame other things. And, and I think this is where a lot of his punk quote unquote ideals came from is that he, he's, he's blaming the system for how he turned out. In, yeah. in some aspects because he couldn't get his shit together and he thinks it's because of the way the world is which to some degree is absolutely valid I don't, I don't know granted i don't know how pat the bunny was raised but there are a lot of systemic issues that keep down people down and they keep rich people rich and and it's there, there's a lot of society versus certain classes but i i don't know it, it 
it comes off to me especially because i i mean i'm i never had that kind of issue so this is definitely like from a lack of experience and, and perspective i suppose but it, it just it felt kind of like a, a cop-out to to blame society for all of his issues because he can't stop drinking he can't get off drugs he can't be the person he wants to be kind of a thing there definitely is some of that and he he's done plenty of interviews since then and i was i mean i'll just go this far into it at least like he doesn't play these songs anymore like it if he were to play a show he's i mean at a certain point he just stopped playing these songs because he was like look i don't i don't agree with what i had wrote back then he's like i don't not like he completely disagrees with a lot of like the social ideals that he Mm -hmm. puts out on these albums but he's like a lot of these songs just like they don't they're they don't feel like me anymore yeah they they came from a dark place in his in his life and he's not there anymore yeah he stopped playing i think all johnny hobo songs at at just at a certain point and then just didn't play them anymore yeah good for you mr pat the bunnies maybe you (laughs) you did finally get your shit together it sounds like (laughs) he did he he did eventually and i mean like we all do like it's it just takes time it takes a journey do you know how old he was around this era well, he was, so these, Johnny Hobo started in 2000, this album of, like, originally came out in 2005. He was born in 1987, I believe. So he would have been. Like 18. Yeah, like 18-ish around the time. Maybe maybe he was born a little bit earlier. He references in a few song like, in a song that he's been waking up since 1987. And. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure if that was like supposed to be a birth date or if that was like the event of something happening in his life that, that changed him or if that's when he gave him declared that he had control over his life or, or whatever. I wasn't sure what that meant. Yeah, he, okay, so I just looked it up. He was born in nineteen eighty seven. So okay, cool. that's which that's how I always took it, but then I was trying to do some mental math and I was like, he would be really fucking young. If yeah. He, which I mean I know he started music really young like so that would line up with the 2000 start date but it's just nuts that he would be sing- like making these types of songs right that's that's where that dissonance was coming from when, when yeah. he said that line because i was like wait there's no way he was like he was that young writing all this shit but hey I, I guess he fucking grew up quick well and so he also to reference something from new mexico song he says a line in there class trader what fucking ever i'm just another middle class kid too he got a lot of shit in his early days because he was i mean he was raised in like what you would consider a perfectly normal household Mm -hmm. and by like not like super rich parents or anything but i mean by parents that were doing just fine in vermont so like yeah he kind of came from a normal like middle class family with and he he chose this life like yeah and that that confuses the hell out of me because yeah. again, like like I was talking about, it it feels like a lot of this album is him blaming society for his own problems. But if he's the one that created them, like it, I mean, I guess that's typically how it goes, right? Somebody somebody gets in gets themselves into trouble and doesn't want to accept the responsibility that they were the ones that did it. So I guess that's not that shocking, but on on the surface level, it seemed shocking to me. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, he he. I think he started with a lot of ideals because there he talks about like 
reading like Karl Marx books and mm-hmm. just a lot of like, I guess, outside of capitalist viewpoint books whenever he was young. So, I mean, I'm assuming he chose it to reject society in that way. And then kind of, I mean, whenever you're on the streets, like you just start living a certain life and he, whenever you get in, especially with a crowd, that's very counterculture, very anarchist, very against society. You're gonna, it's going to be hard to toe that line of, of not falling into the wrong, wrong parts. One thing that, I, we're taking a long time on this song, but one That's thing fine. before we <laughs> before we fuck it up, uh, the line. So I, it's a lot of lines. So he says, "I took two tabs of acid yesterday afternoon. Woke up this morning with the torn pair of shoes. Found I'd ruined my life and everyone else's too. I guess this is what my teachers warned me drugs would do." And then he goes on, but they forgot to mention the way that morphine p- makes the pain go away, and that's a line that's always stuck with me where it just reminds me of all the like dare meetings and the anti-drug stuff that we had like pushed down our throats in school where they were just like, which I mean, yeah, don't do drugs kids. Like, <laughs> But there's also, I think there's room to at a certain point here that drugs are not strictly a villain. Like there is an amount of responsibility that can go with it. And if you can foster responsible thoughts towards certain drugs, not saying everybody should be out there. Like, I don't think there's a responsible way to like shoot heroin or anything, (laughs) but like at least as far as certain like more recreational drugs, like more psychoactive type drugs. Like, I think there's a responsibility that you can go into looking at them that whenever they're just taught as strictly the villain and strictly terrible things, it loses that nuance that allows you to have a healthy relationship with it. Because if you hear something is just the fucking devil your whole life, and then a lot of people end up trying drugs, regardless of what they Mm -hmm. heard in school. And maybe because of what they heard, maybe they're, they're, I mean, the teenage nature to rebel, right? If you're told something is bad and you shouldn't do it, you're going to want to do it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you're going to get kind of pushed towards it. And then there can also be the thought, which this is a thought that I had after the fact that whenever you try some of that stuff and you realize like, well, that wasn't so bad. And then you think, what else have they been lying to me about just to get (laughs) me to stay off of stuff or whatever. And that fosters, I think an unhealthy curiosity because it's coming from a bad place. It's not coming, coming from a place of, well, I want to discover something new. It's I want to, try all the shit because I don't know what society was lying to me about. And maybe that's not the right way to take it, but that's a way that I think I took it and it caused me to do a lot of things that I, that, that line of thinking, I think drove me to do stuff that thinking back now, wouldn't have done. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, why? I used to be so self-destructive and I feel like that line of thinking that I had not saying that, it was necessarily planted in me by anyone, but like that distrust that I just kind of learned over time. I think that drove a lot of it. I have, I have two things to say to that. One is, is I guess backing up a little bit when you were talking about a, a certain level of responsibility with taking certain drugs that is acceptable. I agree. However, I, I kind of also feel like 
it's a bit selective because the following lines there there are two more lines to that that stanza (laughs) he says but they forgot to mention the way that morphine makes the pain go away which when painted such a way yeah that sounds innocent enough but then the the next two lines (laughs) he says and how i'll always remember the good times in my spine and the holes i burned in my brain with this next line so like clearly he's he's going past that yeah at least in in my eyes where he's he's almost trying to rationalize doing cocaine and then doing other things just because like taking some of those harder drugs that maybe can't be enjoyed as responsibly or, or something. So I I just felt like that there was more context needed. There is definitely a stipulation there because he is not preaching any sort of like controlled responsible amount of, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But I I do agree that in, in some scenarios with the right restraint and, and responsibility, then absolutely enjoy yourself. But just don't go fucking nuts or, Maybe you'll have to wait for the next politician to come along and pardon you if they get elected so they can sing an election song and get you out of fucking jail or not be dead anymore. Yeah, like track number five, election song. Uh, moving yeah. moving right along. <laughs> this one has kind of a, a nice swingy feel to it. It's it's something interesting that I noticed from a songwriting perspective. I'm very critical of myself when I'm writing music, but like a lot of this... He writes a guitar riff, like a chord progression, and the trumpet just kind of mirrors that. It's not doing its own thing. And I feel like when I'm writing music, I tend to try to make several different, like each instrument has its own melody going on kind of thing. And and I think this kind of like put some of that in perspective where like, okay, you don't have to be so crazy about writing 50 different melodies for the same song, which I, I appreciated. And in, in this kind of roughness, but yeah, the, the trumpet just kind of like mirrors the guitar riff and it's, it's got a nice kind of like swingy, like bouncy feel to it. And it, it, it reminded me that the music in this context of this album is really just existing for some sort of structure where like the only reason the music is there is because acapella punk isn't really a thing that <laughs> I'm aware of anyway, <laughs> but I, I feel like acapella punk could be a thing, but at this point in time, at least, he, he was just like, I, I have to have something music yeah. out there. I definitely feel that because before this, Johnny Hobo kind of started as just him with like, a, and it was like a Casio keyboard or something and a drum machine. And he would mm-hmm. kind of just like write the same type of punk music, but it would be played over like some middies or something that right. he could just get his hands on. So it was kind of like the music was secondary to the vocals. Um. Which, I mean, for song, like, especially a genre called folk punk, I feel like folk and punk are two very music backward, lyric forward, yeah. like, genres. So to combine them is just, yeah, it's all about the lyrics for the most part. I agree. Speaking of lyrics. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> this one, it, to me at least, it, it came across as, like, trying everything to forget about the state of the world specifically it seemed in the context that george w bush got elected or yeah. re-elected, re-elected. I suppose, in, in 2005 and <laughs> kind of made me wonder how how mr pat the bunny if he's i'm assuming he's still alive he, how, yeah how he what what he has to say about mr trump getting elected <laughs> oh boy well i mean he, uh, full disclaimer he's not a very public figure right but like he's kind of shed from the limelight and for a while he wasn't doing shows like he Mm -hmm. kind of swore off music at least of the punk variety in i think it was 2016 he put out 
an EP that he had done with somebody else. And he was like, this is kind of my farewell from the music scene. At least this music scene. He, he gave his reasons (laughs) as not perfectly aligning with the ideals anymore or something, but he's started doing music again, at least playing shows, playing his old songs and stuff. And he hasn't really given a, an update, but judging by (laughs) some other music that is not on this album, I feel like he's, he would have a lot to say. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> maybe maybe oh, he God. can do an election song too at some point. Yeah, definitely. I, I bet he would love to do that if he was still in the in the scene. Yeah. This one I just realized is I was telling Jeremy I had to correct two lyrics <laughs> on Genius while I was I actually made an account to do so. I had never had a Genius account, but it's. It's very nitpicky. Jeremy was like telling me I was an um actually guy and I actually <laughs> am because the opening verse is um, I actually <laughs> I am an um actually guy. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> the opening verse is I curse the world one second, demand it by demand it buy me a sandwich in the next or else I'm bumming the cigarettes. And then Genie says to help me to forget how hungry I am and the actual lyrics are or else I'm bumming the cigarettes that will help me forget how hungry I am. What a nerd. So I had to change that. But yeah, nerd. it's he's pretty much just talking about like the state of the world and drowning your yeah, drowning your political sorrows in in booze. Booze and other things. Caffeine, nicotine, amphetamine, stimulants. Oh god. I hope more stimulants are on the way, because who doesn't have a drug problem these days? It's oh, lines yeah. like that where I'm just like, he had like he's poking fun at himself and yeah. the whole his whole movement, I guess. At fucking 18 years old, man. <sighs> what a wild fucking childhood that guy must have. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. I want cancer for Christmas. I'm just going to say it. Oh, my God, Jeremy. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to segue. That's the title for track number six. I don't actually want cancer for Christmas. I would hope not. <laughs> That'd be a terrible Christmas. Uh, I'm not I'm not in the, the segue mood. I should just let you do it. You've been doing a great job this whole time. I've been trying. I don't. I didn't know how I was going to do this one, but maybe <laughs> I was going to try to make one of those like dark jokes. Like, what do you get a kid with cancer for Christmas? A dead puppy? Because fuck, because <laughs> life sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's just some shit like that. Yeah. But this one, pretty. It's. I mean, it's got the upbeat acoustic. There's not much else going on. Yeah, the energy's kind of pulled back a little bit on this one. Like at least during the opening. I mean, it's still like him with his harsh vocals, but I feel like the guitar kind of, it keeps that waltz feel. Maybe not waltz feel, but just kind of gentle feel. Yeah, it is music. It is music. That is, that is what I have to say about that. <laughs> Lyrically. <laughs> um, this song, it it was one of the ones that just like, the, from the first time I heard it, it just hit really hard because... It, it's talking about individuality, about being told to be yourself, but understanding, at least thinking you understand that that's not good enough and just feeling like you're going to fuck everything up because who you are doesn't live up to these expectations of the people around you. And man, just like to think about social anxiety that I had, which over time went away like i by the end of high school i was fine yeah but just the second verse 
I remember grade school and started to notice that I was the only kid sitting alone. And then I remember high school and started to notice that not much had changed since I was six years old. And it just makes me think about like, they're having moved into middle school, coming from a Catholic private school into a public school. I felt like I, even though there were other kids from the school that I changed, it was like, they all kind of had their people. And Mm -hmm. I mean, like I, I definitely still had friends. I wasn't like a kid with absolutely no friends to hang out with. I'm lucky enough to have known several people pretty much from my entire life, but I felt like I couldn't like, they were making new friends too. And I wasn't, I have had a long standing history of being like my best. I'm not my best friend's best friend feeling with other people, I guess. And that's kind of like what that part of this song personified with me. And then just, I'm going to go ahead and call it out because we always like want to call out whenever there's depressive or suicidal talk in the albums that we're talking about, but just the chorus, whenever you're a teenager who's trying to figure his shit out, I would spend a lifetime trying to figure out how to make my, myself stop breathing is, it just hits really different whenever you're just an emotional person and you're like, I don't, I want this to be over, but I don't, don't do that. Don't. Yeah. If, if you're in that situation again, I'll, I'll recite the number. I should get this tattooed on my eyelids or something. (laughs) 1-800-273-8255 is the national suicide prevention lifeline. Give them a call. Give us a call. Give somebody a call. Talk to somebody about what you're feeling. Because I guarantee you, you're not alone. You're not as alone as you think you are. And if your parents don't understand, if your friends don't understand, give that number a call. They'll 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 help you through it because you're not alone, and it's not worth killing yourself for. I promise. Yeah, I mean, people are writing songs like this. They they feel the same way you're feeling. Yeah, maybe not the same exact way, but they have the same feelings you're having. Plenty of people have made it through and changed and things got better you're never going to see anything get better if you stop which is something that's hard to accept it's really hard to accept sometimes but it's true it's so easy to fall into the the thinking of like well life's been hard for this long it's not going to get any better but you don't know that you can't know that the only way to find out is if you continue living yeah and the only sounds like you have to give that you have to give life the opportunity to stop fucking you in the ass because sometimes it does some people have really shitty situations they really shitty luck they 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 fall into that kind of trap and it's not easy to get out of those situations but it is possible yeah and you're you're not the only person going through it and it helps to talk about those things so give, give them a call. Again, the number is 1-800-273-8255 if you need someone to talk to. Leave us some comments. Send us a message on Facebook. If we're awake, we'll, we'll respond. I promise. Yeah. I don't want right. to deal with the, the thought of knowing someone reached out to us and, and then killed themselves because we didn't respond. Not that we have that kind of clout or power yeah. over anybody, but I just, just I would rather talk to you than have you kill yourself. Yeah, I'd rather talk. I'd rather talk to you while I get the chance to make sure there's more chances. Indeed. But uh, I don't know how to segue into the next song, so I'm just going to say it because that was that, was, that got kind of deep. <laughs> we got so, heavy for a minute. <laughs> so track number seven is called Harmony Parking Lot Song. 
Indeed. There's a lot of songs that end in the word song on this album. Yeah, I didn't notice it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there are a few. This one is the Harmony Parking Lot song because he wrote it, presumably, in, in the Harmony Parking Lot. I, I did look into this a little bit. I don't remember where I saw it. But apparently there was a parking lot that he, he favored to just kind of like go and and chill out and write songs, which I think is cool as shit. Because I, I don't know. I feel it's hard for me at least to feel super motivated to create songs or create anything just sitting at home in my office so like getting out and going somewhere and seeing something new and experiencing the outside that is not something i experience on a daily basis is a nice change of perspective that kind of helps get creativity flowing yeah for sure like just something about changing the space that you're in or i mean for him it sounds like he might not have had a home at that time Mm mm-hmm but i mean just being a reliable place that he could go yeah just like and it sounds like it was kind of the a public it was a public parking space but it sounds like it's kind of the place where all the people that kind of thought like him or were like him Mm -hmm. would be hanging out so it was probably a good place for where he knew like-minded people or his friends or whoever were going to be so he could kind of hang out and have the camaraderie to get inspiration which is cool. You gotta, yeah. gotta get inspiration where you can get it, even if it's from some parking lot somewhere, or some, from some hobos, you know, around a, a barrel fire or something, you know? You gotta do I what wanna, you gotta do. Side note, I wanna have a barrel fire at some point soon. <laughs> you have a fire a pit, just put a barrel around it, and then there I, you go. I really need to, because that'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> I've always wanted to have a barrel fire. But this song, I feel like, is a pretty good example of him being able to write a song from different points of view as, I mean, Harmony Parking Lot, it sounds like it was kind of the place to be for kind of the underbelly or the counterculture or the people who were kind of going against the system. Mm -hmm. So he obviously saw a lot of people there who maybe weren't around for too long, maybe got picked up by the cops, maybe made their life better better and changed things and like actually packed up their shit and left and got a house or did went to school or something and this song kind of just seems like a moment in time captured but over time like he's talking about growing up in that environment the friends that you make and kind of living living the way he lives, not necessarily changing so much, but watching the people around you kind of leave and the acceptance of that, like missing them. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's talking about missing them, like missing railing pills with them in the park and missing all the skyscrapers on fire and miss the spray paint and the slash tires. And like, he's missing all this kind of hooligan shit, but (laughs) he's realizing that these people, they're moving on and they're doing new things or maybe they got taken away and they're not there anymore. And it's kind of just an acceptance and a remembrance of those people and those times. Yeah. I I think that is definitely an aspect of this. Um, But I I don't know. Again, this is from my ivory tower. Perhaps the core is he's, he's saying here's to the rubble, a brick through every window, a casket buried six feet deep for everybody's hero. Here's to our lives being meaningless and how beautiful it is because freedom doesn't have a purpose. And it just like, I don't know, that with the context of him watching other people in his circle slowly leave or grow up or or whatever, 
it may be it, it just it felt more and more to me like this is just him refusing to adapt to society and choosing yeah. to act out because of his upbringing but apparently that's not the case so i don't know why necessarily he's feeling the need to to kind of act the way he is but it's it's more anarchistic i suppose and more like that mischief brew kind of style of anarchy that's just like well nothing matters so i might as well throw a brick through someone's fucking window <laughs> like i i don't support that kind of shit because like i, I don't know it, it feels like chaos for the sake of chaos instead of chaos for the sake of trying to bring about change necessarily yeah i can understand the thought behind and not necessarily the actions of but the thought behind like throwing i don't know breaking shit to try to get attention to bring change i don't think that's necessarily the right way to do it (laughs) yeah but like i I don't don't even think that was his intention necessarily if he was an 18 year old kid living on streets throwing a brick into somebody's window i doubt he's doing it to get their attention to come talk to them and tell them why their life is is wrong and, and why what needs to change and like i i feel like it's not it's it's those acts without intention just yeah. because that they can do it and they can do hooligan shit you know like you said i i think and this is me just trying to get into his head mm-hmm. i feel like it's from a point of trying to tear down all higher society in any way possible but yeah it's kind of like i mean it is just yeah chaos for really the sake of chaos because thinking about it like logically that's not gonna do anything right if you if you turn i mean okay In, in theory right it it pisses somebody off yeah right and in theory piss off piss off enough people they'll they'll band together and make change happen i guess is is the way that it, it could be quote-unquote justified but I, f- I feel like in practice that's that's not gonna happen yeah there's not enough <laughs> i was about to quote a later album of his there's not <laughs> there's not enough windows you can break to set us free or not enough windows to break us free i think is exactly how he says it but you can't you can't do this until people wake up because people are probably already woken up and they're just living their lives and they don't have the power to affect change and throwing a brick through their window is not going to, not going to really do anything productive. Probably. Yeah. It's not going to do anything but ruin their day. Yeah. Unless you somehow like find the governor's house and you throw a brick (laughs) through the window and it goes through and it hits a special button. That's like, medicare for all and also (laughs) we're gonna clean up the streets and everybody has affordable housing like if your brick hits that button and that happens that's probably i I feel like the more realistic opportunity (laughs) there would be throwing a brick with a message attached to it or a letter saying like hey look governor now that i have your fucking attention it took me throwing a brick through your window to get your attention but now that i have it this is what i think needs to change and the governor can either see that until damn hooligans and throw the brick back out the window and get his window replaced or ideally you know read that read the thoughts and understand where his what are what are people that live under a mayor or a governor constituents constituents that's what that's what i was thinking but i'm not sure if that's the the townspeople the townsfolk the city folk and and listen to what they're they're saying and try to adapt that into action i suppose for the city 
But that's not how politicians work. That's not how po- politicians in general work, I should say. They don't give a fuck about what the people want. Yeah, if all your demands are just going to end up on some big-ass fucking document that's never going to get read by anybody, it's going to get left untitled, and yeah. it's going to go nowhere. Nice. Track number eight, untitled. Boom! This is the one where I I, I felt like him releasing his own magazine or, or scripture or whatever is kind of hypocritical, because to me this song is about true independence to the most extreme order and not conforming to any sort of standards of, of intelligence or order and just kind of like existing one day at a time. And even to the point, I think he says he burning down his own uh, library or something or his own yeah. bookshelf or something, which to me was like even ignoring what you believed the previous day and completely reassessing what you believe today instead of thinking like how your experiences today fit in or don't fit in with your beliefs from yesterday so it, it, it feels kind of weird to like be so prominently independent and and talking about like not following anybody including yourself and then to go in and give give out a, a magazine saying hey here's some cool thoughts yeah there there is a disconnect there and the only way i can like reconcile it is i think i mean I think there were different viewpoints in the magazine that he's putting out. I can't confirm or deny that only just kind of what I've gathered from like interviews with him watching live shows. Cause usually if you watch a lot of people have home footage of him playing at their house where he's kind of just talking about the bands that he's promoting, mm-hmm. who he likes or the the magazine that he's putting out. And I think the magazine might've come after this album was recorded. Yeah. So maybe even then some stuff had changed, but right. yeah, this is song is very much just like, fuck everybody else's thoughts. I, whatever I'm thinking is how I like, however I'm feeling currently, that's, that's my ideals. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm going to live for. And it's a very, I don't know. I, I guess I don't want to say hedonistic because he's not a man of excess, at yeah. least in a lot of aspects of life. But he he seems to he's, be very... he's, a, he's a minimalist hedonist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just give him a couch to sleep on and some drugs. Yeah, <laughs> and a guitar, and a guitar, and maybe maybe he'll he'll write in a magazine explaining how to give yourself an orgasm. Yeah, DIY orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> what a title for track number nine. Hell yeah. This yeah, is the this last one... track. We're doing okay on time. See? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we're at the hour mark, but like, eh, it's not as long as last week or the week before. So Yeah, we're slowly chopping some time off. We're bringing it back. We're reeling it back in. We'll see if it stays that way next week. <laughs> yeah. So, musically, I mean, the trumpet hook is super catchy. That's... Yeah. I don't know what else to say other than I like to sing along to this song. Yeah, I, I actually noticed that. Nice. I uh, the one note that I had for the music is uh, I said, this one definitely has that concert for a friend's feel and it's easy and fun to sing along with. Ah, it feels so good. Like it definitely, that is just the perfect feeling that it has where it's just like you're in a, you're sitting on your friend's couch or you're sitting somewhere in their house. Like I always instantly go to a bathroom because that was kind of like mm-hmm. a group of friends that I had. They had a really like, big bathroom in their house. I was going to say, you got to have a big bathroom for those kind yeah. of things. They had a big bathroom, and that's like, they didn't want people, like, 
smoking any substances in the rest of their house, like, or smoking cigarettes or anything. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, usually you just go over there and I was the kind of person that would kind of just stay in the bathroom all night. But, yeah. and it was like, they had another bathroom. Nobody was like going right. in there to actually use the restroom. But that's kind of just where I hung out. And it was like the few times that I would like play guitar over there. They, I mean, the rest of the people there also played. So it would be like, we'd just be jamming in mm-hmm. this little bathroom and everybody's just kind of hanging out. And that's very much the feeling I get whenever I listen to this song. Hell yeah. It definitely has that feeling for me who has not experienced that as well. <laughs> I think they did a good job of capturing that. Lyrically, I, I feel like this track kind of underscores a lot of what I've kind of been on the cusp of throughout my notes this whole time. And that is that like, while Pat wants to make the world a different place, he also feels like his attempts would be futile because he's just one person. And so he turns to what he can control, which is, you know, his own mood, his own thoughts. And he even dulls those with alcohol and drugs because he can't really like do anything productive so he just kind of like he sits and he sings about how shitty the world is without any effort to actually change it. And it kind of like comes full circle with what I was saying about my own nihilistic worldview, I suppose, kind of kind of self-defeating right? Yeah. because you, you feel like you can't affect any sort of meaningful change. Yeah. And especially like the life that he kind of chose that he lived it and the ideal, like the ideology that he followed, it's kind of making sure that he stays like solo Mm -hmm. and so then he's kind of just like also going off like who needs friends who needs like who needs love who needs anybody else i've got me like right i don't need anybody else which even the way he sings it it's not like i can tell he it's one of those lines that i can tell he believes it in the moment but he's also singing it in a way where it's like this isn't it's the optimal yeah this isn't the optimal situation that i would have my life be in yeah yeah for sure and he doesn't he does need drugs apparently it's yeah. the one thing he claims to need in this yeah. song not love not friends not sex drugs and beer those that's yep. those are the things he needs which i, I don't know it's, it's so like again it just feels so like self-defeating to be in that kind of rut i guess to where you like you you take the booze and drugs because you know it makes you feel better about how shitty your life is kind of a thing. And it just kind of makes your life shittier and keeps you in that kind of like loop. Yeah, I definitely like, this was another song that I kind of connected with like mainly because there was a, a certain point in my life where I was just like relationships of any kind with people are almost too much to do. Yeah. And it's like, I would rather just take whatever I can to change my mindset and then not have to deal with existence with the world with other people like that's just too much drama or that's yeah that's for sure gonna be too much work and it is i don't it's very, <laughs> yeah, it, it is it's a whole lot of work <laughs> but but it's fine work it's, it's it's worth it for some people i suppose yeah sometimes not all the time yeah i mean some people are loners and that's cool like there's, there's no need to shame people that are alone yeah. and are comfortable being alone but i t- i love being alone but i also <laughs> there's a few people that i like so i also yeah. like them too yeah it's cool i mean if you were alone i wouldn't be doing this podcast with you i don't think yeah. i'd be doing this podcast at all to be honest because <laughs> none of my other friends give a shit at least not as much of a shit 
So, uh, yeah, that's cool. Overall, though, I definitely prefer this to the previous two albums we've done. Analyzing the lyrics made me like it a little bit less, just because there there, there was something disagreeable to it for yeah. me. It, it kind of had that, that sour punk taste, I suppose, that I'm not fully in on. But it's it's still fun to listen to. It sounds like he had a great time recording it, and I'm yeah. all about that shit. And I'm, I'm excited to see how he progresses as a person and how his music progresses alongside of him. So I'll put a disclaimer, because I know some folk punk people, if you ever end up listening to this, might get a little antsy in your pantsy if I don't clarify some things. I know Wingnut Dishwashers Union, which is the next next week's band, Wingnut okay. Dishwashers Union, and the album is Burn the Earth, Leave It Behind. Okay, sorry, I'm typing that down. You're good. <laughs> oh no, you're good. And this album, it's not technically like the next thing he recorded, but I feel like this is the next big step in his i guess journey and it was also another big album to me that i heard yeah. from him i mean so. this is a this is a personal journey that we're kind of walking through together and it just also happens to conveniently be the same artist going through big changes so it, it just it's, it's it's a double double forked double forked double double tongued is it double forked double, I, that doesn't seem right double if there's side, two if there's two forks, double edged double i don't know it's 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 got two purposes two prongs two, two pronged prongs. forks two pronged fork attack of, <laughs> of folk punk joey life stuff God. happening <laughs> what's happening oh, we're falling apart man let's wrap this shit up if you guys like this episode let us know in the comments send us messages if you hated this episode that's that's fine too let us know i don't yeah, i don't i don't hate this episode i don't hate I don't this hate album. Either. We're, we're moving in a good direction uh, if you think we're we're going in a good direction, do let us know. But if you have any inside information about anything that we've talked about, or if you want to comment and say that I'm wrong for thinking the way I think and looking down upon these hobos from my ivory tower, let, let me know. I I'm not opposed to hearing other perspectives. It's just my perspective on the situation. I suppose that's all that's all I can give. Yeah, so, that's uh, all you know how to give. Reach out to us, social media, shit like that. Stay in our feedback loop. You know the drill. Bye, 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 bye. bye.